Hey, everyone. Welcome to CTU Speaks. We are on episode six. Hit the bricks. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I am Andrea Parker, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jim Starros. Hey, hey. We are joined tonight with some delegates who will discuss tonight's meeting as we all unanimously agreed to strike on Thursday, October yeah, 17th, as we said we would. Yep. And those delegates will be Rachel Blundy and Linda Perales. But before we go into that in-depth interview, we're going to talk about a couple of issues. Yeah, we're going to talk about there was a, a Sun-Times poll that just came out that talked about how much of the city actually supports the teachers on on the issues that we've got coming in front of us. OK. All right. And we got we got about half the city that supports the teacher side. Woo! I know, and and very few of them are are opposing us. Yeah, and this is because they know that we are we have the best interests of their kids at heart, and they've got kids in CPS that these issues affect them and their families directly. Yeah, I think once people know what we're fighting for, because a lot of people don't know what we're fighting for. That's right. That's unfortunate. Because I know every time I talk to somebody, and I say, "Hey, this is what we're fighting for. Class size is just way too yeah. large. We don't have enough staffing. We don't have libraries in every school. We don't have a nurse every day in many schools." And they're like, "Oh, wow, that's horrible." I know. And so once they get that knowledge, I've never had someone who say, "I don't support that." That's exactly right. And mm -hmm. I think it's because of that that parents support the the teachers at even a higher rate than the the city in general does, mm -hmm. and because they know that's what we're doing yes. here, and they've experienced the teachers in the in the classroom directly. They know what we do. They know what we do exactly. And the fact that we've got all this lack of resources in the building, it's unfortunately become normal. I was talking mm -hmm. to my students just today about that's this, true. and they don't they don't remember a time when there's been a nurse in the building. They, their whole educational career that's just regular for them. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other night that teaches out in the suburbs. And I just brought this question up because um, on the last episode, we interviewed Dennis and he had some really impassioned stuff to talk about nursing. Yes. And I asked him, I said, how many nurses do you got in your building? And he's like, uh, three. I'm like, three every day? And he's right, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And two counselors. Mm, every day. And every mm. day. I asked his wife, how about your building? She's like, oh, we only got two nurses. I'm like, wait. Only? Only. We don't have two for the whole area of my school. Right. I wish I only had one. I know. I, I, I wish I only had one. Right. And, I, and that's crazy. <laughs> and you know what? What bothers me the most is that I'm not mad at these schools. They're doing it right. Right. But why can't we have that for our kids here in Chicago? I want Lori to tell me what our kids need to do to deserve a nurse. Mm. What do they need to do? Right. What did they do wrong that they can't get the same services that these other kids in the suburbs get? And we're being funded by the same state. Why That's should that true. billion dollars be going somewhere else instead of giving these kids what we deserve? And I wish that our leadership had that same compassion, that same um, priority and that same sense of urgency like the uh, suburban school that your kid, your friend's kids go to. That's right. But Lori wouldn't know about probably the need not because her child does not go to a CPS school. No, goes so Catholic I am school. definitely going to do my research and mm. figure out what resources that school has. I know. <laughs> Another thing that like this really just amazed me. We got a, an email. I got an email on my CPS account. Mm. Um, so I got an email on Tuesday from CPS. And that, this is what they said. They said, we will, however, we being CPS, ensure the contract nurses are available to support students as needed in the schools. So they're going to have nurses in the school while there's nobody there right, to but not, nurse. Right. Right. But not while they are there. Not while the kids are there. The irony. How do they have the money for that? It doesn't make any sense. They, they, they have all these ideas of what you can do during a strike. They want to make sure it's safe. They want to mm. make sure the kids are protected. That's a great idea. How about we do it regular? Regularly. Every day. Mm-hmm. 
And maybe we could have averted a strike. We could have averted a strike. So we're going to be on the picket lines early, 630 in the morning. That's right. That's crazy. I don't like getting up early. I'm not a morning person. You're not? I'm not. But you go to work in the morning. I know, but I, I still don't like it. But I understand why I got to do it. You do? Yep, because we got to be there and make sure that we're all together. That's right. We, we have to have a picket line there. We need to make sure that nobody's going to cross that picket line. And that if parents come to drop their kids off, we can explain to them what we're doing out there. Because we need to get them on our side too. Not just happy that we're there and, and they like us, but that they're actively petitioning the mayor to give us what we need for our students. And not just parents, but just even other citizens of Chicago. There are yep. lots of people that walk past, just you know, regular, you know, citizens, homeowners, police officers, other workers, and they need to see us out there fighting because you just never know what union will be attacked next. You never know what worker will be attacked next. And we need to let them know that this is what strength looks like. This is what fighting looks like. And this is the process. And so when does not just happen overnight? It is a process. It's a procedure. And this is one of the ways that we get out there. We roll up our sleeves and we get out there and we, hit the bricks yep. and we fight for what is right for our students. And there's so much opportunity to talk to people. Um, I like the fact that we can be able to meet up with other schools. Mm-hmm. Um, the last strike in 2012, we met up with like three other schools. We were near the expressway. We yep. um, so people saw we were us. The expressway too. Yes. We was on 99th uh, on I-57 okay. and we just, we met a lot of people and it so many people were for us and they learned a whole lot and people saw us. This is like yep. this. We're not going to hide in our houses. This is not a time to sit in the house, watch TV, and think you have a day off. Right. We're, we're working. And yep. not just in the morning, but they're going to be afternoon actions. Yep. We'll be at um, CPS's headquarters. So that's just one action. But every day is going to be a new action because we want to tire the mayor out. Yep. We want to tire the board out. We want them to hold up that white surrender flag and say, hey, this is what our students need. CTU is not letting up on these kids. And we and I, they want I want them to see the light. Exactly. I, we want to bring the yes, real light, the real light, the real light. And this is what we got to do. And it's a shame we have to fight for our kids to get what's necessary to a group of people who's supposed to be out there for the kids. For the kids. They supposed to be our advocates. Yeah. So the first few days of the strike, we're going to be at our buildings from 6.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Yep. And we're going to be walking the picket line and and meeting with the people in our buildings and and forming relationships with people you might not know. That's true. There's a lot of people in your building. You may never really talk to them. Find out. And this kind of brings us all closer together just as as a building and as a union. And I'm just thinking about, yes, like you said, with the... There's people in our building may not know. There are a lot of new teachers yep. who do not understand Might not have been what this 12. means. I have some couple of new teachers in my building, first year teachers. And so they're they're striking. They're going to be on the picket line as well. But this would be a good opportunity to explain because they may not fully understand. But we want them still fully invested exactly. in, in what's happening. Yeah, we don't want just people standing out there on the line. We want to know why we're there. And we're a family. We, we all, we're family. all out there and we're fighting for the same cause. That's right. We might be a one school, you at a different school, but we're all fighting for the same kids, for the same city, for the same community that we all deserve. And sometimes, you know, we're at a building like my building at, at King High School. We're on, we're on 44th and Drexel. Nobody drives by 44th and Drexel unless you're trying to get to my school. That's true. So sometimes we'll be redeployed to a different place that it's more visible, but we're still meeting at that school. And that's where we're going to get together. And then we'll be redeployed as needed around the city to places that will have more of an effect. So if you're driving past um, some schools and you see some red, honk your um, horn. Honk your horn. Beep, beep. If you like, you know, bring us some hot chocolate or some coffee, some donuts. I like we'll a diet accept Coke. it. Yep. <laughs>
I think that would be great. And I mean, it, that kind of support in the community is, is fantastic. It is. And I know Lori wants to make it sound like ain't nobody support us. And for whatever reason, the editorial board of our newspapers, our illustrious newspapers in the city, Ooh. remember the take the deal thing from a minute ago. Um, I like the editorial board. They don't have to put their names on it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think the CPS should take the deal. <laughs> CPS. Our, yeah. Take, CPS yes. should take, take the deal. CPS. Take deal. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to um, talk with our members that are here, in the, uh, Rachel and Linda, talking about some of the issues with the strike. But before we get to that, we just came out of a very powerful meeting where we unanimously voted to walk out tomorrow to withhold our labor to show that we're standing with students and not standing against them like CPS is. And we afterwards, we had a press conference yes. and there was a lot of very impassioned speeches mm-hmm. and talking about how this affects us in the building on a daily basis and what our students really need. And I want to uh, get a few clips from that so we can hear them. Chicago Public Students Live should not operate on a house of cards. In August of 2017, the General Assembly uh, of the state of Illinois put over a billion dollars a year of new funding, a year of new funding into the Chicago Public Schools. They put that money in there in order to get equity for education uh, for English language learners in our schools. They put it in there to get services for special education students, to help with high concentrations of poverty. We have not seen that money yet in our classrooms, and it needs to be, and it needs to be, it needs to be enshrined in our contract so that it's a promise. We're not going to sign a contract that doesn't make good on that promise. We're not going to do it. We want those promises made good on. I've been teaching for 25 years. In those 25 years, I bounced around from school to school. One thing I'm sure of is schools on the south and the west side, they don't have it. They don't have what they need, and that's what I'm fighting for. I went to work and I looked at my brown and my black students, and I said, I can't sit down. I can't. I'm tired. 25 years, and it's the same thing. When I came into the system, they said the teachers were no good. And I said, well, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going in. Here it is, 25 years, and because we stand, because we want a smaller class size, because we want the schools for social workers, we want nurses. He was abused or killed himself. Yeah. 
taught you to read. Please give us the books. Give us the psychologists. Give us the social workers. Give us the nurses. So we just left the House of Delegates at the Chicago Teachers Union, where we authorized the strike for tomorrow unanimously, based on the fact that we have not gotten any kind of a serious deal from CPS. And we are here right now with uh, two of our great members, Rachel Blundy and Linda Perales. Thanks for coming in. Hello. Good evening. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yes. Can you introduce yourselves? This I'll give you a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, my name is Rachel Blundy. Uh, I am currently uh, at Prescott Elementary um, in the Lincoln Park neighborhood. I have been with CPS for 13 and a half years um, and super proud delegate. Nice. Uh, Linda Perales. I'm a special education teacher for K through fourth grade at uh, Corker Elementary School in Little Village. I'm also pretty active in CTU. I'm the delegate at my school, a member of the Latinx Caucus, bilingual committee. I'm on the executive board and a district organizer. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so committed. We have committed teachers in <laughs> CTU. Yeah, we do. So I love our people. Mm-hmm. They're the best. So we were in a packed house tonight. The media was here. Everybody I feel like every here. delegate was here. A lot of visitors were here. Tons of us. It was yep. a very um, intense, emotional meeting tonight mm-hmm. with our um, with our union leaders and all the delegates, uh, lots of speakers. Um, what, what was that feeling like for you? Uh, pretty exciting. Um, we got an opportunity to kind of see uh, what negotiations are looking like right now um, as of yesterday. That's true. Um, we went item by item. Yes, we did. Um, and looked through things and saw where there was movement um, and where there hasn't been movement. Um, so it was really great as a delegate to kind of see um, topic by topic where yeah. um, negotiations currently are. Yeah, this meeting, uh, it was very powerful. You walk in, every chair is full. Yes. There yeah. is a sea of red. It's a sea and of red. Yeah. Everyone is ready to talk about the proposals. And we're just listening and we're hearing that CPS has not made the movement that we need them to to get the justice that we need for our students. So everyone was ready to you know, vote yes to strike. We already authorized 94% of our members to uh, that authorized to to strike. And after listening to the lack of progress on proposals since uh, that vote, everyone was ready. Everyone is ready to fight right. for their students. Yeah, and, and I love that uh, sense of love and camaraderie and unity in the room. It was good to be there. Everybody seemed to be on one accord. Even there was minor disagreements. It just... Everybody was on one accord. Everybody was ready to go out tomorrow because they know that this is not the best. Um, the contract that the board is offering is not their best. It's not enough for our kids. Mm-hmm. And so we have to do what we have to do. And what we have to do is withhold our labor because, again, the what we're doing right now is not enough. No, it's not. 
They're not listening to us at the bargaining table. Nope. So, so we, we got to prove to them that we are willing to go out, that we're willing to not get paid. We're willing to pick it at 630 in the morning. We're willing to go to actions after in the afternoon. We will do whatever it takes for our students to get heard. And I just appreciate the, the unity in the room, the packed house. And yeah. I hope that the message and the love and the support that we have for our students came across to the media tonight. I think it did. I think we, you know, we got to take the fight to them. We've been, we've been talking about this since January. There's been almost no movement. And then they act surprised like, oh, we didn't know. Yeah, you knew. You knew the whole time. And we got to take it to them. And that's what we do. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing out there and being on the bargaining team and being in the classroom all the time. I mean, it's hard work and we shouldn't have to work this hard to get them to do what's right. Mm-mm. But if they won't listen to our words, they're going to have to listen to our feet and they're going to see them. All right, we're going to hit the bricks. Hit the bricks. You know, the Chicago Teachers Union is not just teachers nope. or in the classroom. We're educators, and educators consist of teachers, uh, clinicians, the the clerks, the psychologists, the all counselors, staff. Um, the education support staff. So it's a seal red on all levels of the educators in the building, right. and we're fighting for all of them because we're all fighting for our students. The children of two thirds of our PSRPs still qualify for free or reduced lunch. That's crazy. That's a, that's, that's a wrong. problem. That's wrong. It's it is not wrong. right. Not in a city, the third largest city in the country, mm-hmm. in the third largest school district. That's not making exactly. any sense. No, it doesn't. So we're definitely fighting for them. And so we want to just make sure that they get that. And also, Jim and I have been in the game over 15 years. It's been a while. So I'm at, I'm at 15. I'm Jim at 17. is at 17. And so because we're veteran teachers, we feel like we are overlooked a lot. Yep. And one way that we're overlooked is we don't get raises. Nope. So it's a standstill for like five years. Five years we get so frozen. So what does that say about your veteran teachers? Research has already shown that children achieve when you have experienced teachers in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so when you have teachers at a standstill and other districts start to look more appetizing because you're at a standstill. Yep. So it's not fair to be at a standstill for five years at the same lane or the same step for five years. What does that say about your experienced teachers? Exactly. And, and we also got the, the issue with the benefits as well. So the last contract, CPS agreed that if they found any kind of cost savings in our uh, for our health benefits, that it would be reflected back to us. Health costs have stayed pretty much the same for them, and they're trying to increase our costs. That mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Doesn't. How does it? How does it not cost them any more money? And they're how do you pass on a cost that doesn't even exist? That doesn't make any sense. They said they're going to pass it on to us. That's there's nothing to pass on, but they want to raise our costs. That's something that that doesn't make any sense. And we need and we need to fight that. Um. So one thing I think a lot of the public doesn't understand is the pay structure. Um, within CPS. Um, so the way teachers get paid, it's called lanes and steps. Um, steps are annual increases that occur with a caveat. And uh, lanes are for um, degrees or college credits that you obtain over time. Right. Um, so what's really frustrating for me as somebody who is going to go into step 14, right, 14 years of service, is that once you approach step 14, you no longer get a raise annually, um, which can be pretty frustrating because the cost of living is still going up. You know, I'm required to live in the city and that is super expensive. Um, And you kind of get stuck in the same pay scale at step 14 for five years. Yeah. After you have given, have you, have you sacrificed all these years to this school district? Yeah. And, you know, and and veteran teachers, yep. we need veteran teachers need in veteran this teachers. district. Mm-hmm. Um, veteran teachers are are veterans. They're good at what they do. And we should be paying them um, for their expertise. 100 percent. And PSRPs definitely deserve yes. a yes, living wage. Yep. 
this summer, I helped with the Summer Organizing Institute and several PSRPs participated and they actually shared their stories of their financial struggles because wow. of their yeah. income. Uh, a few of them said that uh, they have to get help from their parents. They're single moms and have to have help mm. from their parents in order to make ends meet. And someone who is dedicated working in our system for, you know, 10, 15 plus years should not be in that economic situation. No, they, they should be no, waking, should uh, making a living wage. They should, because at one point, they had things for teachers or educators. They had a way they would pay for your, your clothing costs. They had like a yep. teacher next door program mm -hmm. where you, um, your loans, would, they would pay off half of your loan. So they had all these incentives, but they're not there anymore. They're non-existent. So we really need these for our educators who are sacrificing their time and their efforts for our students. And also, like you said, have to live in the city mm -hmm. where the cost is continually to rise. Yep. You know, and I, I, you know, this might be kind of provocative to say this, but I don't think that yeah, <laughs> I don't think um, it's an accident that our PSRPs who are really um, underpaid happen to be women of mm -hmm. color. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, this this is exactly. just one example of CPS kind of using their policies to promote certain ideas about what people in the city should be, where they should be living mm -hmm. and what kind of lifestyle they mm. should have access to. Right. I'm with you. Yeah, uh, and definitely that's why we are fighting for uh, issues such as affordable housing, sanctuary, bilingual education. We're fighting for all of that in our contract because we know that all of these issues impact our students and they come in with, you know, trauma and, you know, know, difficulties yeah. related to all of those issues, uh, right? If they have uh, an issue of deportation in their family, if they've been evicted from their home, right. you know, um, if they see that um, the language and culture uh, of their family is not being valued in their school, all of that impacts how they are learning in our classroom. So that is why we're fighting for those things in our contract, because right. our students deserve to be seen as whole people uh, and deserve to have uh, everything that they need to be successful. All across the city. Yep. And Linda, you had mentioned something earlier about that you're uh, in the Latinx caucus. Can you tell a little bit about that and how people might be able to get involved? Yes. Yeah, definitely. The Latinx caucus is amazing. Definitely <laughs> my saving grace uh, yes. in this teaching career. Uh, it is a group of Latinx educators uh, that meet and, you know, we talk about issues that impact our students, that impact our communities. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it is like a support group. We reach out to each mm -hmm. other That's when great. we, uh, you know, have an issue at our school an issue with a student. Uh, so that is just um, on a personal level how it has impacted me. Uh, but we also have done really powerful work. We have done workshops around uh, Know Your Rights. We've done workshops around the gang database, around culturally relevant curriculum. Uh, and all of this is important because issues like the gang database is something that impacts our students, right? The majority of the people on uh, the gang database are black or brown. And that's, it's our students that are on this gang database, their families that are on this gang database. So we need to get informed about um, what we can do to address these issues in the classroom. Uh, culturally relevant curriculum is something that we're fighting for in the contract. Our students need to see themselves uh, reflected in what they're learning in our classrooms. Absolutely. Um, 
And this is all work that the Latinx Caucus has done. Uh, and if you're interested in getting involved, uh, you can reach out to us. We have a Facebook page. Um, it's uh, Chicago Teachers Union Latinx Caucus. Uh, you can send us a message on there. The Bilingual Committee has also been doing amazing work. We're trying to elevate this issue of bilingual education uh, in our schools. Oftentimes, students are pushed to English only. You know, their native language is devalued or they are pushed to test in English when they right. are when they are newcomers yeah. to that this is country. Horrible, I've seen it's, I had a student last year that had the mm-hmm. test in English and he just got here. And yes. I was like, this how is he gonna pass this test? It's so yeah. demoralizing it's, and depressing to see the students sitting there and they like, can't read it. To do? And they think that there's something wrong with them, but right. no, it's something wrong yeah. with this system yeah. that is me- making the yeah, test in a language that is, is not their language. Uh, so we've had several the bilingual committee, we've had several listening sessions uh, throughout the city. We're collecting stories from uh, from parents, from students, from teachers about um, the disservice that are bilingual education students uh, are receiving. They are legally, just like special ed students, are legally entitled to a certain amount of um, English language services, and they are not receiving them in our schools. Often Mm. our ELPTs are pulled to sub, or, uh, Mm. you know, there's a shortage of bilingual teachers. Um, So we're definitely trying to address that and elevate uh, that issue as well, because it's important. Yes, you talk about subbing, so that's a whole other issue with teachers subbing. It's <laughs> a big issue because yeah. that's something that has been plagued my school and so many other schools for mm-hmm. so long. Mm-hmm. And I hope that CPS addresses that because mm-hmm. teachers should not be subbing. Um, CPS needs to definitely get more of an influx of substitute teachers in our building. Um, it's just not right at all. So. Right. Today, we agreed not to take any deal. We agreed to go out tomorrow and strike. Uh, why did you all agree to do that? Um, You know, I think there's a lot of movement um, that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had a long time for CPS to kind of get back to us on some things, and um, they just couldn't pull it together in time. Uh, I agreed to the strike because I know that our students deserve more. Our students deserve everything that we're asking for. We're not asking for anything unreasonable. We need counselors, case managers, librarians, art teachers, uh, bilingual ed, sanctuary ed. All of that is worth fighting for because our kids deserve it. Did you think it would get to this point? I mean, we've been bargaining since January. January. And before we, um, before we, our mayor was even the mayor at the time. So I'm just trying to figure out why do you all think it came to this point? And did you think that it would come to this point? Um, I, I did. This is Rachel. I certainly did. Um, you know, I thought there were some things in the last contract, uh, some vague language um, that needed to be tightened up. Um, for example, you know, the class size panel. Yeah. Um, it, in practice, it's kind of a disaster. Um, so I would, How so? So my experience with it at, at Prescott was um, I had to be really aggressive with my principal to even get to the point where we would have a class size panel come in. Um, there's a lot of um, unknowns about the class size panel coming in. Um, for example, people are afraid that if a class size panel comes in, they're going to look at rosters, they're going to split classrooms, they're going to move several kids into another room. So a class size panel um, is something that was lined up in our next, our last contract um, for grades kindergarten to second grade. Once you approach the, um, the 31st student and then you got one more, right. the class size panel would come to your school. So the class size panel is a joint committee um, made up of a couple of representatives from CPS and a couple of representatives from the union. Um, and they look at rosters, they look at square footage in classrooms to decide whether 
they're going to um, release some funding to hire aides in classrooms at or above 32 students. Right. And not another teacher, just aides. Right. Yeah. I have a situation in middle school. Um, last year, I had 43 students and it we have a PPC or professional problems committee. Mm. And so we took power into our hands and we told our principal, hey, we are at 43 kids. There is no excuse. Class size panel or not, we need some help. So we did get an aid as well. But we need more teachers when it's like this, because, yes, you can have an aid that helps. Um, it alleviates some of the stress. However, it's best that 43 kids not to be in a classroom. So exactly. it's, it's, you know, yeah, and it needs to be enforceable. Yes. And, and I think another thing that I would like to see out of our next contract is class size limits, right. kindergarten to 12th grade. Right. Enforceable, capped. capped. Um, so that we don't even get to this point where we need a panel to come in. Exactly. You hit that hard number right. and, and that classroom's full. It's booked. That's it. It's a little different in special ed. Yeah, so yeah, how was it in special ed in terms of class size? Yeah, so uh, the class size issue uh, is a little different in special ed, but uh, my first year, uh, I had 17 students in my classroom, which is insane. 17 special ed students in one classroom is ridiculous. Because they're all different grade levels. Yes, all different grade levels and uh, both languages, uh, Mm. you know, at the same time. Right. Um, But funny enough, uh, last year I had two students. I started the year with two students in my classroom. And that is because of all of the illegal things that CPS was doing in special ed. Right. And making it so much more difficult for teachers to refer students. Exactly. The amount of data that was being collected, that whole MTSS process. As a result of that, many teachers either stopped referring students or they would refer students and then it would be denied. So I ended up with two students because all of the kids that were in my class before all of that was put into place had aged out of my classroom. I would definitely say that falls like under the staffing issue because we know that we're bargaining basically over four major issues, which is paying benefits, class size, staffing, and justice for all students. And so when you have a teacher doing all of that, that's a lot. That's a huge load. Yeah, that's a lot on the general education teacher, right? We need, and it also speaks to staffing in special ed because um, I shouldn't have, you know, five grade levels and two languages all at the same time. We need more bilingual special ed teachers and special ed teachers in general. What are the rules uh, surrounding special ed in the classroom? You said you had 17 in a classroom and multiple grade levels. What are the federal guidelines? Because there are actual federal laws about this. Yes, uh, it depends on the percentage of time that the uh, student is in. uh, For example, I teach the resource room setting. So it depends if they're, you know, between 20 and 60 percent in my classroom. I believe it is 10 students um, that you can have. um, And then if you get more than that, you require um, a SICA. And what is a SICA? A SICA is a special education classroom assistant. Okay. But don't quote me on that because I don't know the exact numbers. <laughs> That's fair. Um, for the uh, general education setting, uh, the percentages are um, the cap is 30 percent. Right. Special education. But they're trying to roll back on that. Right. They don't. The board is trying to roll back on that 70 30 rule, which is pretty frightening for a general education teacher. Um you know, I'm not formally trained in special education practices. Mm. Of course, I've picked some up over my 13 years. Of course. Um, but in no way, shape or form am I. Um, as qualified as I'd like to be to have a classroom with more than 30 educa- special education students in it. Because there's so much that entails being a special education teacher. And I know that 
uh, a lot of times when you the 17 kids in your room, the kids are not getting what they need. Can you tell me like a situation where the kids are really missing out on their education? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, when I started, I had 17. Right now I have 10 students. Okay. But like I said, I have first grade, second grade, third grade, and fourth grade, mm -hmm. and both languages all at the same time. As a result, I have to split them based on their ability level and their language needs. Then, as a result of that, each of my students sees me in a two-hour language arts block for 15 minutes. What a disservice to them. Right. They're special education students that need services in English and bilingual special education students. So the students that need the most help have me split so many ways that they see me for 15 minutes. That's such a disservice to them. Uh, the rest of the time, they're doing work that I work tirelessly to do to uh, be work that is at their level and mm -hmm. in their language. But it's work that they have to do independently or um you know, with the help of a special education classroom assistant that is in the classroom, but it's not direct instruction with me, which is what they need. Right. So what happens when you have a individualized educational plan meeting and you have to be in a room with psychologists and social workers and the parents? What happens to the kids while you were in your IEP meeting? Usually um, the uh, SICA, the special education classroom assistant that is in my classroom, um, who is supposed to be assigned to certain students, Correct. Um, ends up having to cover um, the, the classroom class. for wow. me. Wow. For how long? Um, IEP meetings can range like from an hour to two hours, depends on what's going on in the meeting. Right. And that's, that's definitely not fair for students. Yeah, no, they're, they're missing out on um, instruction. Quality instruction from their certified, qualified teacher. Yes. So we are striking. It's day one of our strike. What is that going to look like for you all? So at Prescott, um, we've invited uh, students, parents, community members to walk the picket line with us. Um, we are going yeah. to talk to community members and okay. let them know that we are fighting for the schools that we think our students deserve. Um, and that we are going to withhold our labor in order to um, achieve those missions. Okay, so are you are moving around. Are you staying at the school? Are you going door to door? Uh, we'll be at the school for a little while. Um, okay. Everybody, feel free to join us on Ashland and Wrightwood. We'd love right. to see all you Sounds guys. Good. Um, and then we will uh, be going downtown um, around one o'clock. Okay. Um, right to CPS headquarters. Very nice. exciting. Take yeah. it to them. Woo! Um, so the general structure of a strike day um, includes all members um, picketing at their school um, from 6.30 in the morning until 10.30. Right, so it's not a day off. It is not. not no, off. in fact, it is hard work it being is. on strike, let me tell you. Lots we're of we're all together, so it's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, a brief intermission for lunch. And mm -hmm. then um, joining back up in the afternoon, for actions all across the city. That's right. Nice. The fight's just beginning. Same with your school, Linda. My four, four amazing CAT team leaders will be... Uh, now, what are CAT team? I'm so sorry. The contract action team. Yeah. Uh, so the contract action team is in charge of um, sharing information with members, getting them strike ready. So I have four CAT team members at my school, and they will be uh, leading... Um, the rest of the staff, um, similar to your school, uh, marching around our school. Uh, you know, we have invited parents and community members, community organizations to join us. Uh, and uh, I'll be going around to different schools in Little Village uh, as a strike coordinator, checking in with them, seeing good, if they need good. any help. Nice. 
Well, there you have it. So I just hope that, um, and also I hope you all take pictures. Make sure you take pictures yeah. and we post. So we let the world know what we're doing. That we're not sitting at home. We are actually we're fighting for the priorities of our students to make sure they get what they yes, need we are. and have the uh, the schools our students deserve. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We had thank Rachel and Linda here. Thanks for having it's been us. Great. Thank you. Gotta you. come back to the show. Thank you. Please do. <laughs> we'll see you guys on the picket line. Yeah, you will. Yeah, we'll for be sure. hitting the bricks see together. On the streets. See you out there tomorrow. so much for tuning in if you are a faithful listener thank you so much if you Thanks. are a new listener we appreciate you as well yes we do below don't let it end there please tell your friends tell a co-worker even tell an enemy so if you have any questions comments concern you want to be a guest on the show don't hesitate to call us at 312-467-8888 again 312-467-8888 we are also on all podcast platforms you can see us at c2ulocal1.org and listen that way as well. Any other ways? And don't forget to email us at c2speaks at c2ulocal1.org. You can even leave a little uh, video, or not a video, we're on radio, we can't do that. You can leave an <laughs> audio file there yes. and you can play that on the air if you might want to hear yourself speak. If you have an interest story about your school, some that you really feel our members and listeners need to hear, do not hesitate to send that audio clip. Please send it. And don't forget to share us on all your social media platforms, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of the other grams I can't remember because I'm too old to know about them. You are actually our marketing department. We don't really have one here. So please, please share this with all the people. Yes. Get it, get the numbers up there so Andrea and I uh, can continue our podcast and come to you. And don't forget to subscribe. 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 Hit yeah. that subscribe yeah, button. That. So every time we go uh, live or every time we record, you will get the notification. Yes, you will. 